All right, we are live. Uh, so I'm gonna give a moment uh, for the share and give a moment for people to chime in. Come on in, viewers. <laughs> share, share, share. Yes, share, share. We have some uh, great information um, to share with you. So um, let's see, I will, I'll go ahead and share from here as well. It usually pop up, but it didn't pop up. I'll yet. share. I got you. Okay. All right. So um, greetings, uh, champion parents. Uh, welcome back to Mommy Talk. Uh, we want to take a moment, again, to uh, give you time to share with your family and friends um, on your social media platforms. Uh, we also uh, invite you to engage with us this evening and chime in on the chat. Don't be afraid to... Uh, ask a question, make a comment, give a shout out, because um, we always appreciate uh, the shout outs. Um, yeah, so I'm sorry. So uh, feel free to leave a question and or comment. Um, as always, we are here to share information and resources to inspire positive parental engagement. So we have Miss April, myself, Miss Lisa, and Dr. Pert is not with us this evening. You know, sometimes that champion parent uh, uh, activity goes beyond, you know, what we do. So sometimes we have to take a moment away from mommy talk and tend to our own champion parent business. Um, but however, we do have an awesome, awesome guest with us this evening. He is a champion father. He's a champion husband. He's a champion pastor. Rah, rah, rah. So uh, welcome, welcome, uh, Bishop Dr. Cleveland Jones of First United Church in Detroit, Michigan. Welcome. Bless you. Good to see you all. Yeah, I had to put, I had to put champion in front of everything because he yes. definitely is instrumental in my life. I grew up as a member. I was young, what, six, seven in this church. Definitely a father figure, definitely reliable, definitely well-loved just honorable overall bishop, just wonderful, wonderful. Has been there for me, has been there for my mom, has been there for even my son, Seth and Caleb. Yeah, he's actually um, Christian, Seth and Caleb. Oh, nice. Well, I wanna say a quick congratulations um, because Dr. Uh, bishop uh, Jones just recently received his doctoral degree and has a new book. And um, it I is know. the title, COVID-19, My Battle, Your Battle. I got to get an autograph. No problem. Yes, yeah, so it's just the topic for today. You got my uh, number, you know where I live. <laughs> I do. <laughs> yep. So uh, again, I just want to say welcome. Um, uh, the topic today, of course, uh, Bishop Jones' uh, book, uh, COVID-19, My Battle, Your Battle. So again, welcome and thank you for Coming to chat with us. Yes, yes. Thank you for coming. We understand you have different, uh, a, a plethora of um, hats you wear. And I just wanted to make sure I tell you happy belated Veterans Day. Thank you. And Thank how you. many years and where did you serve? Well, I served in the United States Army, uh, active duty as well as the reserves. I served for a total of 22 years. Mm -hmm. And uh, I... Uh, began my service in the military as a medical specialist, mm -hmm. uh, a combat medical specialist. I served in Germany uh, in 7th Evacuation Hospital, mm -hmm. which was a medical evacuation unit. Guten mm Tag. -hmm. <coughs> Pardon? Guten Tag. Guten Tag, mein Freund. I took Germany high school, but I don't remember a lot. Say it again. Let me see if I remember. <laughs> You said good morning, but it's guten Abend. Good evening. <laughs> Wie good, geht's? I thought, oh, it is evening, right? Guten Abend, yes. Guten Abend. Sie Deutsch. Ja, ja. Sie ja, ja, mein Freund. Wie, wie geht's? Good? Ja. Auf Wiedersehen. Oh, okay. I was getting ready to say, wie heißen Sie? That means, what is your, what is your name? So, uh, Herr, uh, no, Fräulein uh, yeah. Lisa. Fräulein Lisa. 
Oh, that's that Cody education. Cody. <laughs> yes, thank God for uh for uh hair. Uh what was his name? Oh my God. He used to call my house every day because he's like, this girl would not stop. <laughs> I'll think of his name later, but he was uh I think he was a really good uh German teacher. So okay. shout out to any of my Cody people that took German with us. Well, it's been a long time. I probably don't <laughs> forgot more German than I'll ever know again. <clears throat> that was fun. Thanks for engaging. Yeah. <laughs> No problem at all, but uh, yeah, I was in Germany for almost two years in Darmstadt, uh, Landstuhl, uh, Frankfurt, Rhein-Main, different places uh, serving, and uh, so I, I left there in July of 71, went back to college, got my master's degree, my master's divinity degree from Howard University. Wait a minute, wait a minute, you forget about your other, your other university. Morgan State. Yeah, Morgan State. HBCU, go yeah. to HBCU, you know, and uh, so uh, I got my Master Divinity degree from uh, Howard. You may have heard of a certain lady who's uh, the vice president-elect. Uh, yeah. she, she went to Howard University as mm -hmm. well. Uh, the home of Thurgood Marshall, you might remember him, the first black Supreme Court justice Mm -hmm. uh, of the United States. <clears throat> you see I'm name dropping here. <laughs> and uh, so um, I was then, after I got my MD of Master Divinity degree, I was commissioned in the Maryland National Guard as a first lieutenant. And uh, then the Lord had me to come to Detroit a number of years after that, in which I became a member of the Army Reserve. I served for a period of time doing Operation Desert Storm Mm -hmm. like, you remember when you, I remember when he went to Desert Storm. He we was at a church on um we were on my Elliot. You remember I wrote you while you were out. You wrote me while uh -huh. I was out. Mm -hmm. uh, tell me when you coming back home. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's the first thing I did, man. Back. I was a teenager. I heard like 13, 14. Yeah, you were a teeny bopper. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> never gave me a hard time. Well, maybe oh. once, but other, you know, but <laughs> moving, moving right along. Nice. <laughs> uh, now, it is said that I'm the first African-American chaplain in the history of the Maryland National Guard, a unit that goes back uh, to the Civil War era. Mm -hmm. And uh, so supposedly that research is kind of ongoing. It takes a while. Uh, National Archives, is they, their staffing level is low now. And uh, I'm not going to say much about who's responsible for that. But nevertheless, um, and then I retired as a lieutenant colonel mm -hmm. um, in 1996. Um, so, you know, I served in different other uh, military venues, Fort Benning, Georgia, Fort Dix, New Jersey, Fort Jackson, South Carolina, Fort um, uh, Sam Houston, Fort Sam Houston in mm -hmm. San Antonio, Texas. Mm -hmm. and uh, Fort Bragg in North Carolina. So, you know, those were a few places where, <clears throat> excuse me, God blessed me to serve. And uh, so I retired as a military chaplain. Oh, cool, cool. So speaking of serve, I know that you're from someplace else and I just want you to share. I know you touched on it a little bit um, about bringing you to Detroit, but can you just share where you were born and raised again and what actually brought you to Detroit? Right. Well, I was born and raised in Charm City, also known as Baltimore, Maryland, mm -hmm. the land of the Chesapeake Bay and, and crabs. And if you like crab cakes, uh, that's the place to get them. You like crab cakes. Uh, <clears throat> I'm, I'm the best crab cake maker in the whole state of Michigan. And um, Hold on, let me write that cake. down. Yeah. yeah. And look, he makes the best homemade pizza. He probably could put all that stuff you like on that too, Lisa. He makes the best homemade pizza. Okay, let's go. Well, I have to treat Lisa to one of my world famous crab cakes. Okay. Okay. I'm I'm there. <laughs> I'm gonna hold you to that. <clears throat> and, no, I'm gonna hold you to it. <laughs> <laughs> she did, she's gonna be like, where's that crab cake? <laughs> I, let me tell you, I love I love seafood. I really do. I mean, there are some things, of course, that I don't like, but it, you know, I, I really love seafood and crab cakes is definitely one of my favorites. Okay. Have you ever had a Merlin crab cake? A who? Merlin. No, I can see the answer. You never had a Merlin crab cake. No. They're the best <laughs> in the world. Okay. 
So anyway, <laughs> um, I moved here from Baltimore. I was born and raised, of course, in Baltimore, Maryland, and uh, went to Carver Vocational Technical High School, thinking that I was going to be an auto mechanic, uh, bumping paint. I don't know if I can see you as a mechanic, but okay. Yeah, well, um, that's what I thought at the time. And, uh, but the Lord had other plans. And uh, so I finished high school, went to college, got drafted in the military while I was living in Baltimore. <clears throat> and and uh, eventually, um, as everything came together, uh, I was assigned by our bishop to um, pioneer a church in Detroit, Michigan. And um, so that brought me here in October of 1981. And we officially formally moved here, uh, living in an attic on Ashton Street, <coughs> excuse me, uh, in January of 1981. And so I came here for ministry to start a, a church. And uh, April, you were a member um, of our ministry along with mom. God bless you, mom. So glad that God blessed you to come out of the hospital. Mm -hmm. you, you were, she was on the same ward that I was on. Oh, at Providence? For West in mm -hmm. Providence Hospital. I don't know if she was in the same room or not, but she was blessed because I had to share a room with somebody with COVID. Oh, did you? I thought they had um, everybody isolated. Your mother had favor. Uh, mm -hmm. She had a room by herself mm -hmm. and uh, I didn't have that kind of favor, but nevertheless, <laughs> <laughs> but what the problem at that time, of course, they had converted Providence Hospital to a whole um, private uh, COVID-19 hospital oh, okay. at that time. So it got better, but now it's going back to getting worse. But we started the ministry uh, <clears throat> in uh, 1980. And uh, so for 15 years, I believe it was about 15 years, we were on the east side uh, on Mount Elliott near Nevada. And uh, then we moved to our current site, 8809 Joy Road, Detroit, not far from old McKenzie High School. <clears throat> and so, you know, we've been serving in the ministry for about 38 years. Mm -hmm. In short, certainly I could say a lot more about that, but we certainly thank God that, uh, you know, when you hear his voice, you're called to obey and uh, you follow through and you, you're blessed as a result. Yeah, so you definitely, you and your family. <clears throat> so I know about God favoring when you're called um, to do great things, called, you know, um, God blesses you with the ability. So what inspired you to become a writer? Because I know this is your second book. I know you had one book before this, but what inspired you to be a writer? Well, I had two books before this. Oh. Yeah. Um, Genesis and Life um, was in, was the title of my first book. You never forget the first. Mm -hmm. uh, just about anything in life. And um, that that was called uh, Genesis and Life, situations like ours and people like us. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we think of biblical characters as being super giant, super saints and oftentimes feeling that we cannot ascribe because of how mighty they appear to be. We cannot ascribe to where they are. But the fact is, they were subject to the same type trials, temptations, tribulations, hurts, aches, pains, <clears throat> as we experience even some of the, <clears throat> excuse me, falls that we take from time to time. <clears throat> And so any reading of uh, Genesis and life, and it's very easy reading. In fact, all of my books, I wanted to be very easy reading. Sometimes <clears throat> in some books, it's so profound, I suppose, or, or so erudite mm -hmm. that sometimes folks find it difficult to read. So I wanted to make uh, my books as easy reading as possible. So we point out in the first book, Genesis and life, some of the flaws of the Abrahams, the Isaacs, the Jacobs, the Josephs, and everybody, uh, obviously Adam, uh, but everybody had some, seer dip, some severe difficulties that they wrestled with within the context of their lives. Mm -hmm. And so we, we made applications of their situations to our own. Mm -hmm. 
Abraham had a had a dysfunctional family situation. Um, I grew up in a dysfunctional family situation. And so how do you overcome those situations and so on? So that's kind of a little bit uh, of uh, what I deal with in uh, Genesis and life. And I wrote a book, another book entitled Rapid Insights Bible Survey. My church calls it RIBS for short, R-I-B-S, <laughs> because it's, it's spiritual food that sticks to your ribs and it, it can be used uh, for Bible study, for devotionals, family get-togethers. And again, the goal was to be practical, easy reading, connecting scriptures. And so I started in the book of Genesis and it flows all the way through um, the book of Revelation. And I wrote in such a way where you can start anywhere. It's not like reading a novel, but if you wanna start in Jude, which is the book before Revelation, you can. Mm -hmm. A uh, couple of questions in the end, uh, lots of examples, applications, but more than anything, you get a good solid foundation in terms of understanding of the scriptures. Uh, I, of course, go ahead. I, well, I just wanted to uh, really just kind of point out for uh, our viewers, I'm, I'm listening, I'm intrigued uh, by listening. To I like that ribs. I don't remember about the ribs, but I'm gonna have to get the ribs. Yeah, I, I really like um, just the fact that um, you are making, like what you're saying is is making things relatable. Um, right. for, you know, as a champion parent, we, we say it all the time that, you know, although the name champion parent sounds mighty, um, it really just means that, you know, we know that we're all human. Yeah. Um, we all we all we all fall short you know we all uh, we all get overwhelmed but we know that we have to get up and keep going and we have to do what we have to do you know um in order to raise our children and for our own sanity um and that and, and i'm hearing you say about these great uh people um in the bible that um they are held to the same um to the same laws you know as yeah. we you know the same things we experience yes and they experience yes and and the same temptations you know people beat themselves up and and oh my god i shouldn't have done it okay yeah but you know you gotta you gotta keep moving you know can't beat yourself up so so thank you for that real relatable and right on time message mm -hmm. and um you know let me polish your apple uh, both of you all are teachers right mm -hmm. yes uh, let me polish your Apple a little bit, the champion parents. I mean, that's encouraging, mm -hmm. actually, because even if you don't feel like you're much of a champion, as it were, and I think all of us have had that yes. feeling that I'm not where I want to be, but it kind of gives you something to think about and ascribe to. I want to be better mm -hmm. at being a parent. I want to be back to my book. I want to be better at being a Christian. What are the principles? that I can learn uh, that will enable me to grow spiritually and so on. Mm -hmm. And um, so when you talk about mommy talk, you're, you're talking about being practical and not just theoretical. And uh, so that's all also a part of ministry, helping people to be pragmatic. What, what will work for me mm -hmm. in the context of being a parent? And yeah. so what will work for me within the context of being a believer, a Christian, so That's right. right. Yeah, because you know, as people, as a mom, you know, as a woman, we're always evolving. We're always looking for ways to get better. And I have to do what's, you know, take my own journey and do, you know, things that I need to do, not based on theory or, oh, you're supposed to do this or you're supposed to do this because everybody's journey is different. Yeah, and even as I'm as a mom now, I'm different now. My sons are like, "Oh, mom, you're different now." I mean, you're so relatable now because <laughs> they think I was such a a disciplinarian when they were growing up, you know. And I guess I had to be firm and stern with them because me and my boys, you know, <laughs> I did. Mm -hmm. But now we're relatable, and they're so respectful. I never really—I mean, we have our little mishaps, but you know, they really um, want to do the right thing, and I really strive to do the right thing. And they're doing great. They're doing wonderful. They are. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. From the reports I get, they're doing great. They are. They are. They're here now, but they're taking a nap. But I was gonna tell them to say hi. But yeah, <laughs> they took it's a break. Too early, from for, school. It's too early for young people to be taking naps. I know. Tell me about it. I just did the same thing to uh, to Miss April. I'm like, this early? Yes, but you know they do <laughs> class. They do classes. You know their classes are like staggered throughout oh. the day. So. You know, they do classes. I think we're different, like through this pandemic. Like we have, like I say it all the time. Like you really have to find your energy. You cannot mm -hmm. be defeated by what no, we can't be defeated. Like we have to find our energy because I'm so sick of sitting in front of a, a computer screen. You know, even with my students, it's like you know, some days come in, get your work, go away from the computer screen. I'm here, I'm available, but you need to go right, go away from the screen, and go yes. right. Check yeah. in, you know, we and, have to and reward yourself, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, yeah. get away from the computer, uh, yeah. go have yourself uh, some hot chocolate and a cookie, or you know, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I yeah. made some peanut butter cookies, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I may go cook something, you know, oh, yeah. you probably know I like to hang around the kitchen. He does, he does, he does, yeah. So what do you feel like was your tough, toughest aspect with dealing with COVID-19? Well, that's a very good question. I thought about that and I thought about it long and hard, not really. But <laughs> first of all, to begin with, the breathing was very difficult. Mm -hmm. You know, if you were to, as I point out in my book, <clears throat> If you were to take a short breath, even right now, like I just did, mm -hmm. that went on for five days when I was in the hospital, but it started before I went to the hospital. There was the- I know, I read that you, you had 102 degrees. My mother had, a, had 102 degrees when she was admitted. So you had 102 degree fever even before you went to the hospital. Before I went to the hospital. This went on for days. This went on for days. The not only the fever, the shortness of breath, but losing your sense of smell, uh, you know, losing that sense of taste, the weakness in my physical body, the lethargy, uh, some pain, uh, and a myriad of other symptoms. And, uh, and I won't get into each and every one of them, but it was extremely, extremely difficult. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, another aspect that wasn't easy was my wife watching me and how sick I was, wasn't a very pleasant thing to see as well. But then on top of that, my wife was sick and turns out she had COVID. Oh, I didn't know Sister Young. But she had a couple of, she had an exam uh, testing a few weeks ago, and the doctor said to her, you have antibodies, COVID antibodies, mm -hmm. and you get antibodies because you had the disease, so she was experiencing it, but I was, you know, I was certainly a lot worse. Mm -hmm. There was the congestion, you know, that was difficult to deal with, the chills and, and the recurrent violent shaking was something that I really, really was struggling with. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, sometimes you hang around and say, well, it's going to get better, but it wasn't. Cold and hot sweats, those type of kind of thing. But mental focus uh, was an issue. Uh, of course, some people think I never had much mental focus, but <laughs> It was a lot worse. Well, I do, because I was like, I text you when you're in the hospital. And I was like, Desiree, your daddy did not text me back. He's like, she was like, oh, because he probably don't have your new, right number. You know, I changed my number. I was like, you right. Let me tell him it was me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> All of those things. So off to the hospital, I went. And uh, I can't even begin to tell you what I experienced as soon as I got in the emergency room. I was almost being treated like, uh, like I had some weird... Yeah, disease that nobody wanted to catch, like a leper, you know, mm -hmm. in a leper colony, you could, they, nobody wanted to touch you, and, touch you. and yeah. you got sprayed with and uh, back, back, a germicide, 
and the guy stood at a distance from me and sprayed my clothes. That's disheartening. That's disheartening. Especially yeah. if you're sick and you just want to feel a sense of normalcy. You want to feel like somebody is around you. You know, you want to just feel comfort, but nobody yeah. can't touch yeah. you. You're there. in the hospital. You're in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And I said, Lord, you saved me too good. Mm -hmm. But yeah. uh, eventually I, I was placed, of course, on a ward and I kept going. I was going downhill uh, physically. Um, I suppose we'll talk more about that as we get further in the interview. But the worst part of the illness was not all of those things that I just mentioned. The worst part was the loneliness yep. mm -hmm. in the hospital mm -hmm. for almost two weeks, for two weeks, mm -hmm. 13 days. Mm -hmm. The loneliness. But I heard, people. I thought somebody told me that you was walking around. No, somebody didn't tell you the truth. Oh, somebody said you was walking around. I said he probably is walking around. Walking, walking around, around where? The hospital. the hospital. No, indeed. You walked in? I okay. was in that bed the whole time mm -hmm. uh, that I was in the hospital. Mm -hmm. My my legs looked like pencils when I came home. Oh, wow. You know, I had lost over 20 pounds. The food was bad in the hospital. Uh, I don't think it was intentional, but, uh, but they didn't have any smoke. Not, nothing you used to. No, not even close, mm -hmm. you know. And we know sisters can cook, usually. <laughs> well, you know, um, and it's so disheartening when I hear, like, the different uh, stories. And, you know, I said, you know, normally when people go through things, you have one person going through something here, maybe three over here. But, you know, of course, during this time, you know, so many people who was going through the same thing. And I, you know, the few people that I know that was in the hospital in that hill, they had the same kind of testimony as far as feeling like they were lepers because nobody wanted to um, touch them. And then some people were sent home and they felt like they were still, you know, they had labored breathing, you know, and they were still yeah. really um, ill. And um, so let me ask you a question. How does it make it, how does it make you feel? And I'm not gonna say anybody in particular, but how does it make you feel when you know that there's people out here that doesn't really, that feels like COVID-19 is kind of a hoax, it's kind of a joke? That's sad. That's, that's really, 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 I can't emphasize it enough mm -hmm. that that is very, very sad. Um, like one doctor said, if they wanna, know what COVID is really like, just come and spend some time on the ward where I work and see these patients. Mm -hmm. I have to give uh, the uh, staff at Providence Hospital a lot of kudos because they did a marvelous job in, you know, taking care of me and other patients who were there. But it is by no stretch of the, imagin of the imagination is it a is a hoax. Sadly, uh, that's what's being perpetrated by many in the political community, uh, giving, um, well, let me just be upfront with it. The president of the United States uh, has been a, the main uh, exponent of calling it a hoax and he experienced it himself. Mm -hmm. and, and from what I can see, like you all did though. I think I don't think he had it like you all did if he really had it himself because you know my thing is if, if I experienced something like that, I think it would it seemed like it would make you wake up and say, you know, wow, if you, know, you are not if you're if you're normal, put it that way, yeah. given having normal mental, social processes, I would think that you would be able to have a sense of empathy for individuals who also <clears throat> experience COVID-19. And, uh, but the, the, the beautiful part with respect to all of this is that it, it makes you a different person. And even though in my line of work, I've also, I was also a social worker professionally for many years. And uh, I've always been involved in people services, whether ministry, whether social work, et cetera, et cetera. 
but you, that sense of empathy climbed. God blessed me to have even greater perspective on my calling in life. And even while I was in the hospital uh, and, and, and suffering as, as I was, I began at times to also think about people who were suffering around the world a lot more than I was. No, you was. That's what maybe I thought. Maybe I was like, oh, well, he's not answering my call. Maybe he's walking around praying for other people. Maybe that was my thought because I know that you, okay, of course, of course you were suffering and you're in the hospital with COVID-19, but I already know you and how you are very caring and thoughtful for others. So maybe you were, were laying in the bed, but you were probably praying for everybody else around you. I was. I, I did pray for others that God would bless them. And I, and I believe that's one reason why I was so blessed. Mm -hmm. uh, but because I didn't just spend time thinking about myself. Mm -hmm. I thought about TV commercials where you see kids suffering in Africa, flies all around them and, mm -hmm. and, and they, they, they're nothing but skin and bones. And I did a missionary trip one time to Haiti and I, I've seen human suffering up close. Oh, Lisa, mom used to go to Haiti. Who? Lisa, my, mom, she, uh, my mother has been a missionary. Um, she's done missionary work uh, for almost 30 years. She uh, passed away in uh, 2018, but um, but she's she's been going like for like 30 years. And um, she even found uh, like we have lineage um, in Haiti. So I'm very proud, you know, although yeah. I need more information. I wish I would have listened to her more. <laughs> Yeah, but um, out of her 30 years, I've never gone with her. Um, it is um, it is a mission of mine eventually. Hopefully within the next couple of years, I'll get over there. Hopefully things will, you know, be uh, safe enough for us to, you know. Right. Well, yeah, uh, I love to travel. And uh, matter of fact, we were in Europe in last year and uh, it was a great trip for my wife's 70th birthday. And uh, so glad we got that in because yeah. the Europeans don't want us over there right now because no. we've had the worst uh, dealings with uh, COVID-19 yes. and, it, and it's so, so unnecessary. Mm -hmm. But that said, uh, you know, um, as bad as my experience was, I thank God that it has made me even more sensitive to the needs of other people. Absolutely. Definitely. Definitely. So um, give the audience a highlight or two of the importance of spirituality. Right. Well, that, that was so important when it came to my, my recovery. I know. And let me begin with Christ. That's a good place to start. If I might, <laughs> uh, when you, we are Christians, we are followers of Christ. And one of the things that is important in understanding Christ is not just the words he said and the things he taught, the, the things he preached about, but also his manner of life. And the Bible tells us about Christ that he was a man of prayer. Mm -hmm. He was a man who spent considerable time with his heavenly father. The Bible tells us that he arose a great while before day and he went to a solitary place and there he prayed. The Gospel of St. Luke tells us of many of the times in which Jesus prays. Mm -hmm. And in Luke 18, 1, he says, men ought always to pray and not to faint. To faint means we must always pray and to never give up. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so that's where you start. We're again, we're followers of Christ. We see he was a man of prayer. He lived the life that he preached about. Mm -hmm. And so we take our cues from him. Mm -hmm. And so I became a, a born again Christian uh, in 1964. Mm -hmm. And so that's well over 50 some years ago. Mm -hmm. And I have spent a lot of time in scripture meditation, study, prayer, worship, all of those things that develop the inner man. And so it was in the hospital. It wasn't so much 
just my body in terms of the changes that it was going through. There's a part of all of us that only God can reach. Mm-hmm. And that's our inner man. You see me now, you see my physical being. In April, you would have seen a person who was really suffering. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, we look at the outer man. Mm-hmm. God bless me, my outer man, but it was the inner me that really paved the way for my recovery. And so when you think about, well, let's just say mommy talk, mothers have a responsibility to raise and to nurture. Uh, You talked about your mom who passed away in 2018. She was a missionary. Mm -hmm. So she had a, a deep faith in God and nobody, I, I would venture, I would hazard a guess, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that it was the person and work of God by his spirit that no doubt kept her going and mm-hmm. kept her inspired. And that's that was me in the hospital. Mm-hmm. It was that inner me, Paul the apostle talks about being strengthened with all power and might in the inner man by the spirit of God. Mm-hmm. And so to nurture children, to nurture for parents, to nurture children in the things of God is so extremely important because like Christ, you're going to face moments of crises. You're going to face moments of physical uh, debilitating situations, sickness, even death. You know, uh, my cardiologist about a month ago, said, Mr. Jones, I went into his office for my heart checkup. And I, and by the way, I had pre-existing conditions that I went in the hospital with hypertension, uh, uh, cardiac disease, um, compromised immune system. I was not supposed to make it. When you look at odds, my cardiologist said, Mr. Jones, We thought we were gonna lose you. Mm. We thought that it was over. Mm. And he said to two other doctors who were standing nearby, two nurses and a medical assistant. He said, you see that man, he has had the best recovery from COVID-19 of any of my patients. He repeated the same thing basically two weeks ago. No, last week when I went to see him again. And so you have to stay on top of things as far as your medical situation is concerned. Bless you, my son. (laughs) He didn't want to say hi. (laughs) It's good to see him. Good to see you. Uh, You too, man. Hey, (laughs) bless you. (laughs) I used to know you. Look, he he, he liked the camera now. (laughs) I used used to know you, man. Oh, yeah. yeah, I like to get to know you. <laughs> Glad you come from COVID, though. God has that. been awesome. He's been awesome. And I'm talking about you all now. It's so important oh. to develop your spirituality while you are young because mm-hmm. the days will come when you will need to call upon those spiritual resources that you have taken time to develop through the years. And so that's perhaps the number one dimension thing that contributed toward my overcoming uh, COVID-19 while I was in the hospital. And so uh, a lot of the scriptures that I learned when I would when I would be laying on my side, trying to catch my breath, mm-hmm. those, those short breaths, that went on for five days, that short, Mm-hmm. that short of breath. And not only that, let me throw something else into the, I'm kind of admixing a number of things, but they all relate to spirituality. Um, hydrochloroquine. The president of the United States was pushing hydrochloroquine. Well, that may have been one of the things that almost took me out mm-hmm. because it is of dubious value medically. It's on my... It's on my medication chart 
in the hospital, two, two servings, dosages mm -hmm. of hydrochloroquine. And the, and the president won't even take it himself now. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the apostle Paul said, all of these things were against me. But when it comes to your spirituality, it works in your most trying time. So const constant spiritual development, ongoing spiritual development is so very important when the tough times of life come and they will come, they will come. It may come again in my situation. Uh, I can go back to uh, when I suffered from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in April. I don't know if you remember that or not, but that almost took remember me. Remember you had the chemo? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Back in 2002. I remember I touched your skin. Yeah, but it was really like leathery. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, I was almost as white as snow. Mm -hmm. Not far from that now. But <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the, the thing of it is, is that uh, even then, Mm -hmm. Even then, so much prayer went on mm -hmm. at that time. And I don't want to get too far ahead of your interview questions, but it was no, also, fine. huh? So you're fine. Okay. So it was also important now. The Bible tells us that we are to train the child in the way that he should go. Mm -hmm. And when he is old, it will not depart. It will not depart. And so it's that, so that, that's, you, you think about, you think about Christ in his most trying moment when he went into the garden of Gethsemane, he mm -hmm. felt the weight of the world upon him. And the Bible says he went in, into the garden three times. Mm -hmm. and he didn't want to face the suffering, but he did. And he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Even on the cross, Christ prayed spirituality was still important on the cross. Mm -hmm. Our cross, of course, is not like his. We could never suffer like he did, but all of us have a cross in life mm -hmm. that we face. Mm -hmm. And so your, your, your connection with God is of the utmost importance. Mm -hmm. and, uh, so I'll stick a pin in it and certainly <laughs> could, could go on and on and on with respect to that. Yeah, yeah, you're fine. You're fine. So just tell us the importance of family, church, and friends. Yes, family. I'll start there. <clears throat> <laughs> yes, that's right. You got it. That sums it up well. I can quit now. <laughs> um, but I've been married for almost 50 years, 48 years, 49 next year. And, uh, hopefully. My children are playing in a big celebration. Y'all invited to come. Mm -hmm. Not a big celebration, but when we hit 50 years. Oh, your uh, anniversary? When is your anniversary? June 10th. Okay. Yeah. And, um, but I'm there. You're there. All right. I'm hold you, again, I'm going to hold you to it. Yes, uh, I, I love your wife. I remember her uh, helping us out with the, uh, well, actually, I remember both of you guys with the uh, backpack giveaway. Right. Um, yeah, but your wife is so sweet. Um, so please tell her I said hello. And I, yeah, I would definitely love to come celebrate with you guys. You know, she a retired social worker or no, she was a psychologist, no, psychiatrist for DPS. Oh. She worked, your, your wife, Sister Jones. Psychologist. Psychologist. Oh, I'm yeah. talking psychiatrist. Yeah. Psychologist for DPS. Right. She worked at the elementary and middle school. So I don't know if she would have bumped into you until when you were at elementary and middle school. But yeah. Yeah. I did one year in elementary. <laughs> That was it. Babies, but had enough of that. Yeah, but my wife is um, my rock. She was so very supportive mm -hmm. of me with with her prayers and her calls to the hospital. You develop that relationship when it comes to marriage. Uh, a lot of people talk about love. Well, that's so important. And you have to have that, but it's commitment. I call it the big C. Mm -hmm. It's be two people being committed to each other. And that's and that commitment also applies to when you're going through the those various stages 
mm-hmm. of life in which you're tested individually or you're tested together. Mm-hmm. And that tells you what your relationship is made up of when you're going through the hard times of life. Mm-hmm. And so uh, my wife, she believes in the power of prayer. And uh, of course, I've always known that, but going back to when I had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, mm-hmm. so from that for about two years, mm-hmm. um, uh, she she was in the prayer closet, sometimes literally, you know, praying me through, mm-hmm. encouraging me that you're going to make it. And uh, she has had her bouts every now and then with something fairly ser- reasonably serious herself. Mm-hmm. And uh, this time around with COVID-19, and if I had a choice between which disease I could pick between COVID-19 and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, I would pick non-Hodgkin's lymphoma mm-hmm. because COVID-19, I can't even begin to describe the suffering, even the voice that you hear now, it's not my normal voice. Um, yeah, you wasn't as raspy, you got <laughs> kind of raspy now. Yeah, yeah you know, mm-hmm. and it goes and comes. Mm-hmm. But like I said earlier, I am not complaining. Mm-hmm. And so cultivating your marriage, cultivating the two of you together is so important, that relationship. Mm-hmm. And um, then there's, of course, striving to be a good parent in your latter years. Mm-hmm. You hope that your children will be supportive of you, which mine were. And uh, Desiree, she pulled together. Mm-hmm. I saw she got a foreword. She had an, um, yeah. Right, Word yeah, the on the back, yeah. And um, she called together prayer warriors. Mm-hmm. And there were times, and they would pray Monday through Friday at noon. They were in prayer for me. Mm-hmm. And people were calling from literally around the country. Mm-hmm. To join in that prayer line, that prayer time, and it lasted a half hour per session. Sometimes there were 30, 40, 50, 60 people uh, engaged in mm-hmm. prayer. And she would call three people to pray during that, to lead in the prayer during that time. And so this, they were fasting uh, also and praying while I was in the hospital. And I couldn't join in with them while I was in the hospital. I was so busy working on, <laughs> working on my breathing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they prayed. That's why you never heard my call. Okay. Right. Like right. I'm just acting like, like you were supposed to stop. But like, oh, April call. Let me text her back. Yeah. <laughs> no, I hardly call anybody back. You know? I know. I know. And, and I appreciate you making the effort. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so for five days, I was having that shortness of breath. And it was the fifth day. And I don't even know. I'm struggling to remember what time of day it was, but I woke up on the fifth day at some point in time and I could take a deep breath, Mm -hmm. a reasonably deep breath. And I sat up on my elbows and I said- you were laying on your stomach. They had- No, no, when my breath came back, I sat up on my elbows at that moment. But but I was on my stomach, yes. for two 48-hour periods. Mm-hmm. You can imagine that. Two 48-hour periods. Mm-hmm. So as to open up the lungs and there are these little postules that open up more when you're laying on your stomach. But that said, when that breakthrough came, it was the fifth day and I said, praise God, I can breathe. And you'll find this also in the book. Mm-hmm. I began to thank God, but the doctor also said, you're not where we want you to be. So you got to stay on your stomach for these period, these lengthy periods of time. Mm-hmm. So uh, my wife, my children, they were all very, very supportive uh, in the prayer. And then of course, the, the uh, friends, they were participating on the prayer line. Some people I hadn't heard from in 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. Somehow, some of them got the word and said, we want to join in. I mean, 
you know, people are praying. You know how people say, I'm praying for you, you know, and okay, that's great. <laughs> we kind of, you know, it's, it's almost like a ritual, you know, mm -hmm. pray for me, I'm praying for you and so on. Yeah. And it's, it's a good thing. Even a, even a minute prayer mm -hmm. is a good thing because we're communicating with God and we shouldn't undermine that. Yeah. But and I think the intentions are always um, good because I've been guilty of saying, you know, okay, I'm going to pray for you. And then I walk away and don't pray. And I said, well, maybe hopefully that kind of constitutes a little bit as a prayer, you know, because you walk away and you, you forget and, you know, not being intentional. But I do understand what you're saying about the, the stress and the strain um, on the voice. Uh, my pastor had uh, COVID-19 as well. Um, uh, Father Norman Thomas of uh, Sacred Heart Church. I'm gonna give him a, a shout out. But now when I hear him, when he's uh, doing the um, the service, like you can <clears throat> you can hear him doing that often. Right. You know, yeah. he, he has so much energy. He's bouncing all over the place, but you can still hear, you know, that it yeah. has uh, taken a lot of strain. You know, yeah. so I definitely I pray for uh, those who are still suffering. Right. I pray that you are, uh, you know, healed completely. You know, I hope that, um, you know, I hope that something good uh, comes out of, if, for lack of a better way to say it, but I'm just praying for your, your uh, healing. Right. Mm -hmm. Thank you. It's ongoing. It's, it's, it's ongoing. Uh, you know, I'm still on various medications and so on, but uh, I'm off of two that I was on. So we're making progress. And of course, we're grateful for it. So you, you cultivate those friends. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody is not to be your friend, um, but there are those special relationships that you develop and cultivate and you maintain and be forgiving when there are issues, you know, that come between you. That's all a part of the whole human situation. Mm -hmm. But you never know. The Bible says there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And yes. you never know when you need that closeness from one of your good friends. And, you know, especially because the moment you hear from them, you know, you're so glad mm -hmm. that they took the time out. I know it like touches you, like, you know, it's like a warm feeling, like, oh, okay, yeah. Even yeah. though you haven't heard from them, but you you know their, um, their wishes has come warm and open and honest and they really want the best for you. So I can okay. understand that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I kind of put a plug in for my church. Mm-hmm. First United Church of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say you want to share your social media followings. Um I can I, in the chat I can just um tag the church um the church uh, Facebook page. Right. You, you have an Instagram page for the church? No. No, no, not yet. Okay. Yeah, I could tag the um church. Well, yeah. I want to give a shout out to uh to your church as well. Um, just like I gave a shout out to the first lady. Um, your church and the members that helped us that day, the children, there were children there that helped us uh, that day. And um, it was it was a blessing. You know, sometimes you never know how much people are willing to uh, lend a helping hand. And, you know, you are your church to me was like soldiers. They were ready and they, they helped us. And um, it was really appreciated. So um, shout out to all the members and uh, the first family, <laughs> and you know we we appreciate you. I just want you to know. I know well, I thanked people a thousand times that day, but still, I just felt like I had to say it again. <laughs> well, we we really appreciate the work you all were doing for the people in the yeah. neighborhood, and Thank you me. just never know the long term impact mm -hmm. that uh, that that will have on people's lives. Yeah. So yeah, we'll do it uh, uh, another uh, round next year. We're for the right. backpack. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, yeah. Um, I remember you talk about long-term impact and teachers what they like to do for people, community, and so on. My mind went back to when I was in the fourth grade. Mm -hmm. You asked me earlier about my writing and what got me involved, and so on. My fourth grade teacher, Mrs. Roy said to me after I wrote a little two-page piece, I guess, uh, story. It was entitled The Tallest Angel. And she said, young fella, you can write. You, you're a good little writer. Mm -hmm. And uh, <coughs> I was the only one in the whole class who had written a little story that she said that to. 
Mm -hmm. you know, and that made me feel so proud. You just never know what little things. Right, she probably sold that seed. Stay yeah. to children. You That's probably think. what you and Miss April have in common. Miss um, April, don't think I forgot about what Miss Dorothy said. Miss Dorothy said that April used to, I guess when you, you know, when she was oh. young, she would like really take some really, really good notes uh, when you did your sermon, your sermon, excuse me. Wow. And um, yeah, yeah. And so what's, what sparks you is that you believe you have something to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that kind of inspires you and you believe that you can help somebody through your writing. Yes. And mm -hmm. so, you know, um, without talking about the other two books, you know, with COVID-19, my battle, your battle, I'm on my fourth shipment of books. Mm. This, this, Where can we purchase your books? Uh, come by my house. Okay. <laughs> Uh, we got to put in a uh, special you, order. You, you tell me, well, let, let me tell you, let me tell you the story behind, behind that a little bit. Um, after hearing about all the people that were praying for me, I said to Julia, my wife, I said, I, I'm going to put together a little publication and I want to just give it to them for nothing. Okay. As, as, a, as a thank you for praying for me and so forth and so on, because it was so inspiring. When I got out of the hospital, I couldn't really talk long because I was on oxygen for one thing. I was on a walker for another thing. Oh, really? I was on a walker. I can imagine you in a walker. Okay. I, I, had, I was going around with my walker mm -hmm. and uh, it took me 20 minutes to get up the steps uh, after I came home from the hospital, 13 steps. That's almost two minutes a step. And um, <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> um, where did I leave off at? Oh, it took you two minutes first step. I had another point I was going to make. Oh. Uh, <laughs> get, I'm getting I'm getting old now, you know. Oh but, no, not really. Yeah, I, it, yeah, it, I, it, I was like, you got your yeah. 50th anniversary. You got to be just about 50. So I don't know, maybe I <laughs> was two or three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, 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 listen, so I, 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 I couldn't huh i'm sorry if i could just chime in just really quickly um first of all i just want to i want to thank you uh for uh chatting with us today i please forgive me i have to go help my daughter uh with something but thank you so much um i'm sorry i'm leaving you miss april i gotta go help uh, my daughter um like, anyway, forgive me if i bored you to death no no, got, no, no, just, no, just no, tell, no no just tell me i got i got to leave i've had enough no, no. I believe you. I believe you. She's right here. I wish she would come on the. Uh, can you just wave your hand? Coming. Wave your hand at least. See, that's her hand. She's doing like this. Come now. I need your okay. help. All right. So, I just really want to say thank you. I appreciate um, right. your testimony. Um, I want. I want to purchase your book, and I'm going to. I want to purchase. Right. Yeah. I'll yeah, do one at a time because I'm on the. I'm on the little budget system, so I got to do one at a time. Not a problem. I trust you if you want it more. But uh, yeah, dollar sign Cleveland Jones is my cash app. So April, okay. you, can, you can get that from April. And okay, okay. I'll be more than happy to um, manage that. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, say hi. So God sure. bless you. Take care of yourself. Just peek in and say hi. Just tell herself, say hi. Hello, hello. God bless you, young lady. <laughs> Well, I could just end real quick. We'd like to thank this time. Take this time. Wait, to wait, 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 wait. Let me finish oh. this one point. <laughs> Go ahead. I, I was I was in bed that because uh -huh. I, I had almost forgotten, and I could I was on oxygen, mm -hmm. couldn't couldn't pray vocally, but mm -hmm. just to hear the sounds of the praying going on was mm -hmm. such a blessing, and and that helped me with my breakthrough that led to my healing and healing oftentimes is ongoing and i want everybody to understand that sometimes we look for instantaneous mm -hmm. and sometimes it's a process mm -hmm. and i want to encourage everybody to engage in the process mm -hmm. i was meditating in scripture and i would make my mind switch when i was in the hospital paul said whatsoever things are good and lovely and just and beautiful think on these things so i made myself think on the beauty of life my mm -hmm. family relationship, my friends, the prayer that was ongoing.
for me in my behalf. And that was of such great importance. So I wanna encourage everybody today to enable your mind to switch to the good things in your life when mm -hmm. you're going through the issues of life. And I'll put a, I'll stick a pin in that for now. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that is important. Right. Think about the good things. We could tell them to think about the bad things or what's going on, our current illnesses, our current debt, or, you know, it'll be perpetual. So we always got to look at the bright side of things, be more optimistic. Yeah, and be thankful and grateful because we're all blessed. That We're yeah. all blessed. That yeah. and connected with faith. Yes. Faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen, not the evidence of things that do not exist. Mm -hmm. But though we can't see it, nevertheless, in God's mm -hmm. scheme of things, it's real. Yes. Trust him. He'll see you through. Amen. So in closing, we'd like to take this time to thank all of our viewers today or this evening for tuning in. As always, we appreciate your support. Be safe. Wear your mask. Use your hand sanitizer. And remember to practice effective social distancing. Be aware about the new mandates and the pause that's currently in place by our governor um, here in Michigan. And we are in fact alone, but we're together. Thank you uh, to our Facebook Live audience for tuning in to Mommy Talk. Thank you, Pastor Jones, for spending your evening here with us. Continue to visit our website and our social media platforms at Mommy, M-O-M-M-I-E, Talk Network. Until next time, have a good evening.